All right. Well, I am so happy that I get to be with y'all uh, here tonight. This is this going to be fun. I think we should do another Audible because I'd love to hear Evan uh, preach in that voice for the rest of the night. It'd just be kind of fun to listen to, at least for me anyway. But no, like seriously, that that Revive Worship Night, y'all, I, I, I think it's something that Evan was even kind of alluding to. It's just something that we're hoping goes bigger and goes crazier. And the whole reason is, is we're seeing a need for a worship and prayer culture in, in young people and in, in college age, in our generation. And there is power in worship and there is power in prayer. And when we get a whole crew of people together to come to Jesus and just praise him, I, I think it can shake things. I think it, I think it can move mountains. And, and so that's what that whole idea about that night is all about. And, and it, it, is, it is something that's really exciting that I feel is stirring, not only in, in Evan's heart, my heart, and, and a lot of our team's heart, uh, and volunteers' hearts. It's, it's just something that's so big, and we want it to go church-wide. We want this to be something that the church does on a regular basis, and we feel like high school and college age are the ones that are going to make it happen, and so that's that's what we really feel, and so that's something that we're hopeful for, and 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 I just wanted to say again, it, it's just going to be a really, really fun and, and cool experience and cool night. But yeah, so I, I get to hang out with junior high and high school students uh, every single week, and it is it is exciting. It is new. I just started this whole high school stuff just a while ago, and and it has been one of my favorite things to hang out with high school students and uh, just get to see them a whole lot. And um, I, I forgot how much drama was actually in high school. Um, holy crap, y'all! I don't even know how to handle some of it because I have gotten more phone calls at 12.30 in the morning than I have gotten ever in junior high, okay? Because junior hires, their problems are like, oh, I think she's cute and I don't know what to do. And, like, and I'm like, oh, just talk to her. It's really easy. And in high school, it's like everything is like, oh, I don't know what to say to her. And then it comes with bawling and like freaking out and hyperventilating. I gotta ask her to prom and I don't know how to do it. And last year, and oh, y'all, I just don't, they're exhausting. No, they're fun. They're, they're really fun. But high schoolers, y'all, I mean, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. I probably shouldn't, but it's funny. I had my first ever uh, drunk student give me a phone call at 12 o'clock at night. Oh, that was fun. Oh, we had, he's just like, dude, I, just want, I love you, man. You just, you just changed my life. And I'm like, apparently not. Okay, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing for you. And we just had this fun phone call. I found out all kinds of fascinating things. And then I called him at six o'clock in the morning because I'm a jerk. And I, I literally changed my alarm clock to six o'clock in the morning. I didn't have to be up at all the next morning. I just really wanted to call him. I was like, bro, how you doing? And he's like, oh my gosh. Uh, I called you last night. I'm like, yeah, you did. I thought I was dreaming. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, bro. He's like, I think I called my parents too. And I'm like, you're dead. Like, it was just so fun. So this is the exciting stuff that I've been doing lately. And it's been great. But uh, it, was, it was a funny thing because it was a secret exposed. It was a moment where this student had, had some deep stuff. And honestly, there's been healing from it. It's been really cool. We've had some 
really got great conversations, but it has been something that he's been hiding for actually quite a long time. It's been something that he's kind of kept cooped up and he has been dealing with a lot of stuff and that alcohol was actually hiding some much deeper issues. And I, and I started to think about this idea, like, y'all, we all got secrets. We all, we all got stuff in the closet. We got skeletons that we're hiding. And, and I think when, when we start to look at, at so many of these things, I think God wants, one, those things to be brought out. And sometimes you're going to accidentally drunk call your pastor, and that's how things are going to get brought out. But other times, like, he, he's going he's gonna to push us to bring some of those things out of the darkness so there can be healing. So there can be things that are going to get resolved fully. But I think a lot of the times, myself included, we hide those things because we're truly afraid of what people are going to think. We're truly afraid of what, what people might see. And so we start to, to fake it. I mean, how many of you have heard the phrase, fake it till you make it, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of the times, like, I, I have gone through a lot of life where I have just tried to fake life. I've tried to just make it happen. I, I, I've hid things in my past because I didn't want people to see what I, what I was struggling with, what I was dealing with, what, what was going on in life. And I think we do that a lot of the times. But see, the truth is, is Jesus wants those exposed. And there's gonna be a lot of times where he's gonna expose those things, but tonight I wanna challenge us to expose those ourselves. I, I, I wanna challenge us that in here tonight to bring that truth out, to, to live a life that, that shows who we are. I like real people. Real people are a big deal to me. And, and, and it's so fascinating because we can tell if somebody's faking it to us. We can tell when people are totally not being who they are. They're not genuine. They're not being real. And, and I know there's a lot of insecurity that goes with that. There's a lot of, a lot of fear that kind of happens in that. And I think a lot of the times we hide those things because all this stuff wells up. And we talk ourselves out of letting people see who we are. And, and tonight, I want us to start being real. I, I, uh, and a lot of people in here are. I know quite a few of you in here. And you're, you're people I strive to be like. And, and, and some of us in here, you know, there's things that we just, we coop up inside. But when we coop it up, it starts to leak out and we show it. It starts to, to show what's actually happening. I think a lot of the times I, I have faked it. You know, I, I, I faked for a long time. I was, I was a good Christian kid, you know, through high school, through college. I went to, I went to Bible college. I did, you know, lived a lot of life. I was, I was figuring things out. And I was like, I'm the, I'm the good Christian kid. I want to I wanna do this well while hiding a porn addiction that, that was wrecking my life. That was, that was wrecking my relationships and my friendships. Uh, hiding a controlling personality and a manipulating person that I was to get my way 
and get people to do the things that I wanted them to do. I, when I was in Oregon, I was able to manipulate girls. I was able to do things. I was able to get multiple young ladies to follow me. And it's things that I regret. Because there are people that I have hurt deeply. All because I was hiding actual insecurity. Hurting, hiding some issues that I was struggling with. Hiding this porn addiction. Hiding this, this, this struggle with me. With my hatred for myself. And so because I didn't like who I was, I was going to make sure nobody else liked who they were either. And I was going to try to fill that void with people and with people's love. But you always get found out. And luckily, it was found out in a way where I just talked about it. I brought it out. I let it get seen. But we can fake it for so doggone long. We can fake things so easily. There's a... There's a one of the apostles that I, I love looking at his story because he's just started off as a fisherman. He started off just as a fisherman who, who had a little company and all he did was fish and that was how he provided for his family. And one lonely day, one day he, he had this dude come up and say, hey, I know you fished all night long, but go cast your nets on the other side. Take your nets up. I know you're drying everything out. I know you're getting everything ready, but just go back out there and cast out again. Trust me, it's going to change your life. And so this guy, he goes out and does it, and all of a sudden, Peter's life has changed. He knows that this, this guy, this Jesus who came up to him, was about to change his entire scope of life. So Peter started to follow after him each, each and every day. He started to follow with him and see the miracles that Jesus would do. He began to argue with Jesus rapidly. He had faith that grew so largely that he was willing to jump out of a boat into the middle of water and walk on it with Jesus. He started living this life radically for, for a Christ that he believed was the Messiah. And later finding out that he was truly the Messiah that he said he was. Peter was willing to go out on a limb. He, his life changed forever. But there were some deep-rooted insecurities in Peter's life. Those insecurities where he'd confront Jesus. He'd get in Jesus' face. He'd get into, get into him to the point where it's like he wouldn't even let Jesus move. And there's that one interaction that I always think about with Jesus, because I wonder if I do this sometimes but Jesus, he's standing in front of Peter and he looks Peter dead in the eyes and he, and he says to him, get behind me, Satan. Back off because you don't know what you're doing. And I wonder if he says that to me sometimes. Bro, you are getting in the way and I have something to say. So get behind me. And so Peter was willing, I mean, Peter struggled with control. That's why he, I mean, he, you know, he was, he was a leader. That's why he, he did what he did. That's why he was one of the pioneers the, that built the church. 
but he had a lot of lessons to learn. And this insecurity, there was something there that was, that he was faking while he was with Jesus. He was faking that he, he was willing to stand by Jesus with everything that he had. He was gonna stand strong and nothing could shake him. Before, right before Jesus was arrested, he sat there and he was like, no, see Jesus, you, you don't understand. I will die with you. I will die with you. Nothing will happen. I'm, I'm there with you to the end. And Jesus is like, yeah, watch. No, you're not. You won't be. You're gonna deny me. To the point when, when Jesus was arrested, Peter was willing to fight, cut off the ear of the soldier. He was willing to lay down his life right there. He was willing to fight. And Jesus is like, bro, knock it off. You know what I'm going to do. And so Peter starts marching off and he's getting word to, to the gates. And this is where we're gonna read because I think Peter's insecurities, whatever Peter was wrestling with, he's about to learn the lesson that he needed to learn that made him the leader that he was forever. That began a new story for his life. What, the, the, what interaction between him and some young girls was gonna change the whole trajectory of the man he was about to become and the person that he was about to become. John chapter 18 uh, says this. So Simon Peter followed Jesus as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was John. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest. So he was allowed to enter uh, the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of the man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I'm not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards uh, had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves. And Peter stood with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, and so Jesus starts to kind of go back and forth with his accusers. And meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself. They asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. One of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. And I think we can look at this passage and start looking at a lot of the things that are starting to transpire, but what was Peter learning? What did he need to learn? Everything that he had told Jesus before, he was faking. That moment where he was in the olive grove, where he, he cut off the ear, he was faking it. Because there was something so deep rooted inside him that Jesus needed to call him out. And the only way that Jesus could call him out is, hey, while I'm getting beat, you're gonna deny me. You say you're with me, but three times tonight, you will say you don't know me. And when that rooster crowed, imagine how Peter felt. 
I like the Passion of the Christ version. And y'all, I've never watched the full movie of the Passion of the Christ. I can't get through it. Never been able to. But I've probably watched the entire thing in bits and pieces. And this part stuck out to me when he denied Jesus that last time Jesus connected eyes with him. And I wonder if that happened. I'm curious if that actually was something that happened. I mean, have you ever disappointed somebody? Now, the worst, worst thing in the world is to hear, hear somebody that you admire, to hear somebody that you look up to you come up and go, it disappointed me. Like there's something that just sinks inside of us, right? But we don't want to do that again. We never want that disappointment to happen again. And we're gonna grow from that. And we change because of it. And I think at that moment, that was, that was what started to take the skeletons out of the closet for Peter. He stopped faking it. It was that moment where he sat there, he heard that rooster crow and went, oh, I just did it. I've walked with Jesus for three years. I've watched him do miracles. I've watched him save lives. I've watched him heal people. I've watched him go against the Pharisees. I'm watching as he's getting beat. I've watched him as he's getting betrayed. I've watched him all through this stuff and I'm looking at him going, no, I don't know you. He denied him. How many of us are faking it? How many of us are faking it? See, how we live tells the world a story. What story are you telling? The way we live our lives tells a story to everybody that's around you. What story are you telling? Peter was telling a story. He was telling a story of a little bit of a hothead a guy that also wanted to be Jesus' right hand, somebody that wanted to be the best friend of Jesus. But I think he liked the title. I think he liked the standing a little too much and it became about him. Are we telling a story of Jesus or are we telling a story of selfishness? because Jesus would call that out. Are we telling a story of hidden things and hurts that we're afraid to bring out? Are we telling a story where Jesus has conquered everything in our lives, has taken bear on the cross that he died that night? Are we telling a story that is gonna show people the beauty of who Jesus is or are we telling a story with a lot of junk in it? What kind of story are we telling? What kind of masks are we wearing? Because I think we're all, all wearing some in one shape or another. You know, I, I've struggled over the years with certain insecurities. I, I compare myself to a lot of people. I really struggle with it. I compare my looks. I compare my height. I compare anything and everything. 
I compare my speaking style. I compare my leadership. I compare, I, I just compare. I don't know why. It's just something that I've done. And, and, and for some reason, that, that comparison ends up turning into jealousy to a point where it's extremely unhealthy. And then where I stop serving the Lord because now I'm thinking about how much I wish I was like somebody else. How much I, I wish I was like a certain person, certain group of people. And, and, and really, that's something that I've been dealing with even the last three months. Put on this mask of, I got it all together. I, I've got this figured out. I stand up and I got to talk about who Jesus is and the glory that he has. And yet inside, I am struggling with my thoughts. I am struggling with looking at who I am and saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not, there are so many people better than me. To the point where I was literally sitting there going, I just need to quit. I just need to be done. I should probably be done because I'm not, I'm not okay. Jesus made a mistake. Yo, we, we, we can put on a mask and fake things as we're going. Or we can choose to be real. We can choose to be true to who we are. Because it wasn't until I started actually having a conversation with people that that started to shift. It took Jesus waking Peter up, shaking him to his core to realize it. And it took my dad randomly giving me a call who, me and my dad don't talk a ton. We just don't. I love my dad to death. I have a, good, I have a pretty good relationship with my dad, but on the phone, we just are awkward. <laughs> Hi, doing good? Good, can I have your help? Hey, bye. About it. That's the extent of our conversations. My dad literally calls me and I'm like, hey dad, what's going on? What do you need? He goes, I just wanted to call. I'm like, Okay, uh, last time you called me, Grandpa was in the hospital, so what's really going on? And he's like, no, I just, I just wanted to see how you're doing. It's like, okay, cool. When we started having this conversation, he goes, okay, I lied. I have something to talk about. I was like, okay, what's going on? And he goes, Shane, um, I just had this weird feeling that uh, you're down in yourself, and you're playing the underdog card, and you're insecure about who you are and the man that you are. And at that moment, I was like, oh, this is a gut punch. And so me and my dad started to have conversations. And from there, I've been having conversations with, with certain, with people in my life, mentors in my life, and just sitting down and saying, hey, these are who I'm comparing myself to. Your pastor is one of them. I love Evan to death. He's a buddy of mine. He's great. He's cool. He's good at what he does. And I, like, I want to be like him. I look up to him as a leader. I look up to my dad as a leader. I look up to Nate Petzl as a leader. Are you freaking kidding me? 
And, and we compare and we start to put this stuff, but here's the thing. When I had that moment of real connection, things started to happen because real connection begins when the faking ends. When you start to have, when, when you stop faking it and you start bringing things out into the light, you're able to talk about it. This is the first time Evan's knowing about this, by the way. This was my moment. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but I wasn't planning on it. But I think that's a real thing because real connection can happen when we start, stop faking who we are, y'all. Peter started a revolution after that point. Jesus dies, he rises again, and, and Peter becomes the one that Jesus chooses to build his church. But if Jesus wouldn't, or if Peter wouldn't have been wrecked by Jesus and shaken to the core, I believe Peter would not have been the one that Jesus would have built his church. Because he had to get Peter to stop faking it. And then Peter was able to start building real connections with the apostles, was able to start building real connections with people and showing who Jesus truly was and truly is. What do you need to stop faking? What do you need to be real about? What do you need to bring out what skeleton are you hiding that is keeping you from doing what Jesus needs you to do? What does Jesus need to shake you to the core with? Or where is he currently shaking you? Because I think we all know. I think we have all those secrets that it's like, I just need to bring this out. And it doesn't mean that we're not gonna screw up, mess up, do anything wrong ever again, no. It doesn't mean that those insecurities aren't gonna come back, no. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be stubborn ever again. I mean, Peter went toe-to-toe with Paul after that. But when we start being real, Jesus uses it. And Jesus will help us to make connections that we never thought possible. This whole exposure to who we are and the, the crazy things that we are started way in the beginning. When Adam and Eve decided to take a bite of the tree, their eyes were opened and they started hiding things and hiding from God. Genesis 3, 7, that the moment their eyes were open, they suddenly felt shame in their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover who they were, to cover themselves. We're hiding a lot of junk behind those fig trees, y'all. We've all, are all hiding stuff. And God literally looked at him and went, what's changed? You did something you were asked not to do and shame started to beat you down. Shame is the culprit. Shame is what keeps us from being real. You don't need to be ashamed of what you've done. 
We don't need to be ashamed of who we are. We don't need to be ashamed that we serve a God that loves us more than anything else and that has died to save us from our sins, that has died for each and every person in this world. We don't have to be ashamed of the hurts that we have. We don't have to be ashamed of our fears. I don't have to be ashamed of the fact that I was a manipulator and a porn addict. I don't have to be ashamed of the fact that I compare myself to people and I'm working on it. I don't have to be ashamed that I'm afraid of what people think of me. Bring it out. Talk about it. Being real. See, the fact of the matter is, is being real isn't just about people seeing us and truly who we are, but it's also about people seeing Christ through us. When we're real, people see Jesus. People want to see the gospel. People want to talk about, people, I mean, we all wish we could see Jesus. You can. Through the person who's on your right and through the person who's on your left. But it talks about being real. We get to see Jesus through the real of who we are, the rawness of what's going on inside. It's like weight is taken off when we're truly who we are to people. I've talked to so many people, my age, older, younger, and every single one of us were just like, I wish I just could just find somebody I could be real with. It's like we all do. So why don't we just start? Well, yeah, then no, because then they'll judge me. That doesn't make sense. And then Jesus brings it to the light and you're like, oh, crud. Everybody's gonna freak out and everybody's like, man, I wish you would have told me earlier because I struggle with this too. And you're like, well, dang it. Right? Like it's the truth some of the times. And yeah, there are those times where we've shared probably some things and gotten hurt from it and gotten burned. But that should not keep us from being honest and true of who we are. We get burned, that's their problem. It's not gonna change me. I get burned by somebody, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep going. We're just gonna keep doing what we do and we're gonna live real. Because it's when we coop up the hurts and the fact that that person hurt me, that's when the problems start to occur. That's when we start turning to alcohol. That's when we start turning to pornography. That's when we start turning to drugs. That's when we start turning to self-harm. That's when we start turning to putting on these masks and changing our identity. That's when we start turning to all of these other things that the world offers. When we hide what's going on, our story starts to look different. And that story doesn't start looking like Jesus. But when you're raw and real, Jesus is seen in it. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. He says, each time he said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. Jesus' power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
He is talking about boasting in his weaknesses. Are you kidding me? What? Do you think Peter, that was the only, do you think Peter talked about that moment where he said no to Jesus three times and then the rooster crowed? You know how we know he talked about it? Because John wrote it down. So he obviously went up to John and went, bro, I screwed up. And I don't think that was his only time telling the story. And I don't think Paul stopped telling the story of how he killed Christians, persecuted Jesus, and hated who Jesus was and had a crazy Jesus moment because Luke knew about it. Y'all, when we boast in our weaknesses, the gospel is seen. Jesus is seen. When we say, hey, I don't have this all together, I'm a work in progress. Jesus is seen. We're not perfect. Jesus is. We can't pretend to be perfect. But we serve a God who takes those things and heals us. Takes those struggles, those pains, those hurts, those fears and heals us. Boast about those weaknesses. Let Jesus shake you to the core and heal you. And even if you don't, eventually the rooster's gonna crow. And when that rooster crows, you're gonna know. And that might be a drunk, drunk phone call with your pastor. That might be your rooster. Or with your mom and dad. Jesus wants to help us all, y'all. What story in your life are you telling the world? What story is your life telling the world? Is your life telling a story of Jesus? Or is it telling a story that's fake? Are you telling a story where we can be weak and real? and raw or are we telling a story where we've got it all put together are we telling a story where we need to surrender or are we telling a story where we got it all taken care of what story are you telling Just you pray with me oh Jesus thanks for shaking us Thanks for shaking Peter. And Jesus, I just ask that that if there's some areas in our lives that we're afraid to bring out, would you give us the courage to talk about it? Or would you give us a rooster crow moment? A moment where it's brought out, of the, out to the light and we didn't anticipate it happening.
Because Jesus, during those things, you heal those things, and then you start to use us in mighty ways. Father, I just ask that you would use each and every person in this room. That everybody in here, we'd learn how to boast about our weaknesses because Jesus makes us strong. Be able to show that we struggle, but we serve a God who doesn't mind. Show people that we're not perfect, but that we serve a God who doesn't want us to be and doesn't need us to be. So Jesus, would you use us? Jesus, would we be able to tell the story of you through the way that we live and through the life that we lead? And Father, would you shake us to our core? We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen, amen.